Welcome to another exciting episode of the Leaders of Atlanta podcast, connecting you to prominent leaders, thinkers, and influencers in the city to help you to become the leader that you are called to be. Now here is your host and leadership development expert, Zach Hudson. Well, hello there, leaders. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Leaders of Atlanta podcast, where you're going to be able to hear from Atlanta's top leaders and learn about the companies or the causes that they're tied to. Today's episode focuses on Rachel McCrickard. She is the CEO and founder at Motivo. Motivo is changing the game in clinical supervision. No longer do you have to drive hours and hours to go find a good supervisor to get your requirements done or spend an endless amount of money. Motivo leverages technology to bring those supervisors, mentors, and advisors right to you. Rachel and the team recently celebrated another $2.2 million in funding and investments to continue to grow the company. Rachel's heart for people is evident is actually the reason why she started motivo in the first place so i'm excited for you to hear today's episode and listen to her share her leadership journey as well as some practical tips on how to grow your own leadership rachel thank you so much for hanging out with us today and being on leaders of atlanta i really appreciate you being on the show with us today yeah thanks for having me zach great to be here yeah well good i want to jump right into it so you know, you've got a company here in the Atlanta Tech Village, and we're going to probably touch on that, I'm sure. It's an amazing place. Uh, it's, it's become a staple as far as the, the city in this particular sector of the city. But before we jump into some of those pieces, why don't you tell our audience that are hanging out with us right now at the, at the table about your journey as a leader, maybe from earlier in your life or maybe earlier in your career to where you are today? For sure. Yeah, happy to. Uh, well, I'm from the North Georgia area and um, always have kind of been drawn to more leadership opportunities sure. throughout my career. I'm trained as a licensed marriage and family therapist, so mental health care has always been something that's been very important to me. But um, but leadership has also been a thread throughout my life as well. So in college, I was the chair of the Campus Ministry Association. Um, early on in my career, I was in charge of a social concerns committee at okay. my first employer. Sure. So I've always kind of married the two pieces of mental health and then also leadership as well. Yeah, that's great. So I already see maybe from an early age that passion for helping others. It sounds like the causes you were involved in, right, kind of led to that. So where do you go from the jump of helping others to, you know what, I'm going to start my own own endeavor? Yes. Yeah. Well, that was a big jump, too. <laughs> yes, it sure was. Yeah. I mean, I think um, because I was so entrenched in mental health care, it was Um, easy for me to begin seeing some of the gaps that existed in my own industry. You know, Paul Graham, he's the leader of uh, Y Combinator, which is a very popular accelerator out in San Francisco. And um, some Stanford students were asking him once, like, what, how can I think of like my startup idea? And he said, learn a trade and then find out what are the gaps that exist in that particular industry and you'll have your startup idea. And so I really, um, that was definitely my origin story. 
story. Sure. I didn't, you know, desire to become an entrepreneur, you know, growing up. But um, but I loved the field of mental health care and I loved being a therapist. And as I began to see some of the gaps that existed, um, I had a solution to one of the main ones, this issue of clinical supervision. And I thought, I have a, I have a response to that. I have something that I think that would help with that. Sure. That's yeah. great. Well, tell us about your company. Tell us about your love for the city. Obviously, you're like we said, you're sitting in the Atlanta Tech Village. So maybe tell us about that piece, why you chose this area, why you chose to stay in Atlanta. You came from North Georgia. So what caused you to stay here? And then what are maybe some things that are important to you today that you're involved with or the company's important yes. uh, that's involved with? You know, we love being in Atlanta. It has been such a supportive uh, city and ecosystem for us to build and grow Motivo. When you live in a more rural area, uh, talent can be difficult sure. to find and capital when you're fundraising can also be difficult to find. So as as we um, you know, went through the Techstars Atlanta Accelerator here in Atlanta, we thought this is the place that we can really uh, grow and embed Motivo um, in a really impactful way. And Atlanta Tech Village was a very natural next step. I have to tell you, it was not it was not where I was um, lead, leaning at first <laughs> because it's like not the best intersection. Sure. Like the traffic oh, yeah, is yeah, like yeah. really sure. kind of nutty around here. But my team was like, oh, it'd be an ideal for a, from a commute perspective. And so we came here and I just was blown away and could not be happier with the decision to grow our company, Atlanta Tech Village, not just because it's a beautiful office building, but because of the support that we get from mm -hmm. the leaders and the mentors and advisors here, it's, it is, um, it has the perfect balance of ability to kind of really go heads down and focus on your company or to engage whatever sure. you need for that particular day. Uh, it has both. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. I definitely see that going around the city and visiting with other tech companies around. It's got the feeling of a larger tech company, but from what I've read online and research that I've seen and from other people who have been through the program, you do have that almost classroom sense of you do have your mentors in space. You do have the support in space. So you get kind of the, the best of both worlds uh, in some sense. Now, we saw across the street as I was driving in, massive amounts of construction. Yes. So, yes, yes getting in here, uh, not the easiest, but I think it's worth it once you get inside the it door. It really so, is. Yeah, it totally is. That's great. So tell us about uh, Motivo. What do you do? What are you excited about? What is your goal? We touched on a little bit, but really give our listeners kind of a, a better understanding of, of what you're involved with. Absolutely. Well, uh, Motivo is the first provider of what we call telesupervision. Yeah. So to kind of back that up a, about, a bit, um, you know, therapists have to complete about two years of something called clinical supervision after they get their master's degree. You can think of it very similar to residency for a doctor. Sure. So you graduate with your degree and then you have a couple of years of what's called supervised practice where you're meeting with another therapist and learning how to become a good therapist. And it's your responsibility as a new therapist to find and pay for those hours. Those supervision hours, though, are often pretty expensive and difficult to find. So I was driving two hours to get to the closest clinical supervisor oh, for wow. two years. In Georgia, in North yeah. Georgia, wow. Yeah. And paid $8,000 to get the hours I needed to become a licensed therapist. So there's a lot of discussion about the lack of mental health providers in rural and underserved communities. Sure. And part of the reason for that is this lack of clinical supervision to get someone from their degree to full licensure. So I saw in Georgia 
Georgia that they passed a rule in 2016 that said you can do all your supervision hours through secure video. So think telehealth, sure. you know, yeah. consulting with your supervisor that way. Uh, but there was no market for that yet. There was no, um, uh, there was no company that right. was there was addressing. nobody out there to do it. There's nobody <laughs> doing that, right? So I thought, you know, this is really an opportunity to connect the dots between a new therapist and the clinical supervision hours that they need for licensure. So sure. that's what Motivo does. We connect a new therapist with a clinical supervisor, and we provide them with supervision online yeah. through the platform. That's great. I'm sure you've had uh, numerous stories of people being able to reach dreams and make connections in a more economical way Absolutely. and, you know, a more convenient way for them yes. uh, to balance out their life and everything else they've got going on. That's right. That's, that's right. That's great. Yeah. All right. So let's dive into a little bit, Rachel, more of your personal journey now. So let's talk about uh, that piece if we could. So could you share some advice maybe that you would give to somebody going into leadership for the first time? Yeah. You know, um, my favorite quote, one of my very most favorite quotes. Um, It says, um, you're always a student, never a master. You have to keep moving forward. And that was by Conrad Hall. And I just, that is intrinsic inside of me that I, um, that I always want to be a learner and I always want to be growing. And so that's something that is very true to the team members that I look for and the kind of leader that I want to be. Um, Therapy has been very important to me, not just as a profession, but as a personal decision to continuously be talking to someone about my thoughts and feelings and experiences and exploring ways to get better um, and to do better and to learn more. Uh, Those are the things that are the most exciting to me. Um, And I would say that particularly for a female in entrepreneurship, it's one of the things, um, I'm I'm speaking in generalities here, that I think women do particularly well. I often think about the the idea of like if there's a husband and wife in the car which one wants to stop and ask for directions and oftentimes the man is like I will get there I will figure it out and a lot of times the woman is like we could get there quick a lot faster if we just pull over and ask you know and I have really incorporated that a lot into my leadership style of uh, pulling over and asking for directions from advisors mentors founders who've done it before and I think that that has really helped me grow as a leader yeah you know I think that's a trap that that newer leaders fall into the sense of arrival, right? Of yeah. you, if I only was the manager of this, or if I only had this title and they get the title and they're like, ah, ha ha, yes. made it. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and then they stop learning, right? right? So everything that pushed them to that point, they stop. And then that hinders their growth on past that. Right. Yes. So, so yeah, you're right. And doing past the baton for years, we talk about that continual learning piece and we talk about, yeah, the men's stubbornness and generality of, uh, uh, doing it their way and their yes. way only and not, not humbling themselves and learning. So, uh, perfect. So what about some common leadership traits that you look for as you've grown your team here? Yeah, I would say um, one of the top ones is intrinsic motivation. Okay. So startups are really hard. You know, they take a lot of work. We go from working hard to working really hard, you know, just depending <laughs> on the sure. day. And you can't really ask someone in a job interview, like, are you willing to give this all you've got for this limited amount of time that we have to grow this company? Startups are quite fragile. And you you often only have a limited runway to become successful or to not, you know? And so I look for intrinsic motivation. Are they driven by something outside of themselves or internally into themselves that makes them want to just um, run really fast um, in pursuit of this goal and vision? 
that's one. Um, I would say curiosity is another okay. big one. I want people who uh, don't already know all the answers but are willing to ask the questions. I think that's particularly important for our customers that we don't come in uh, thinking that we know everything that they need from us but being curious about not just them and their journey but then also being curious about ourselves yeah. you know so one of our core values is um, being introspective being willing to look inside of ourselves about our own thoughts feelings and experiences that have led to our beliefs um, and um, and you know being curious about them yeah that's great so how do you go about discovering that motivation in somebody you're, you're talking about that kind of internal drive that heat and passion right to, to push forward so how do you how do you uncover that in an interview? Because sometimes that can be hard to hard to see. Oh, yeah, it really is. And I won't say that I'm an expert on hiring. I mean, I have hired some pretty incredible people, <laughs> but I've also hired people who haven't worked out, sure. you know? And so I'm still learning a lot about how to identify that. But I would say that a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, interview questions that, that ask about the history of doing that in the past. And I also always um, check references, yeah. talk to people. People who have worked to them before and give them scenarios and say, you know, if if, uh, if they were stumped with how to respond to an email, what do they do? Sure. Do they forward it to you and say, how do I respond to this? Or do they say, hey, I drafted up this response and I'd love your eyes on it to see if you think if you'd like me to make any changes. I prefer the latter, sure. you know, taking that um, motivation on themselves. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Perfect. So talk about, speaking of learning and growth in your team, as you've grown out, not just physically, right, but you're wanting to grow out. I know your heart for your team is, is very evident, but you want them to grow as a person too and in the position. So is there stuff that you do or an emphasis that you think of when you're leading your team to help them continue to grow? Yeah. One of them is we decided really early on to give them what's called a self-care stipend okay. <laughs> every month. Yeah. So it's $100 every month that every employee gets, and you can only use it for yoga, therapy, um, acupuncture, a massage, something to restore <laughs> and fill yourself back up. You sure. know, I'm asking a lot from the members of this team in order to grow this company. And yeah. I want to balance it with, you know, what are you doing to refuel? So that is, um, it's very, it's not a huge amount of money and it's more symbolic in nature to say, I want you to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. How are you doing that? Yeah. I, well, I love that for two reasons. Number one, because you're giving them a specific purpose to use it on. You can't go use it for anything yeah, you have to use right. it for this take care of yourself right yes. and then the emphasis of that because there's so many organizations that forget that piece or think of it as a secondary or even third or fourth tier benefit in their in their employee package that people don't take advantage of of yeah there's a gym uh, reimbursement fee but go or not go I don't care so I, I think your intentionality behind it is is very nice too yeah and I mean I think those kinds of things are hard to tack on later to a company culture after it's established sure. so I re really tried to think intentionally about you know what kind of company do I want to grow and what are the things that we should be looking at having from day one even before we can really afford it <laughs> to uh, to make sure that we grow sure. you know in that same way yeah. and, and that's one of them yeah that's great so you've been through from a licensed practitioner, helping people, you know, work things out to now running your own organization. So what are maybe a thing or two that you wish that you would have learned sooner in the process as you've grown in your own leadership? Yeah, I would say everything I wish I would have known <laughs> sooner. So I say a lot that I all, I'm learning at such a quick 
pace in startup um, world, and I'm sure every entrepreneur out there is as well. And I constantly wish I would know on Monday what I know on Friday. Sure. Uh, but I would say more specifically for me, especially coming off this last year of fundraising, we raised $2.2 million, um, last year led by Cox Enterprises. And um, the biggest learning that I had from it was being able to learn how to tell the big story of Motivo. Okay. You know, I got into this very impact-driven. I wanted to push the needle on how easy it was to become a therapist for rural therapists. But then as we got more and more into it, we uncovered that there was this huge market opportunity, not just for mental health providers, but for many allied health professionals oh, sure. who go through this supervision practice. So it really just got to be a bigger and bigger and bigger idea. And I kind of had to level up how I was talking about the, <laughs> the company sure. as it got bigger, you know, and really decide for myself, do I want to grow a company that big? And I decided yes, you know, and um, if so, how do I talk about it in a way that is compelling to investors and partners? Uh, so learning constantly and um, and trying to just keep up. Yeah, yeah, that storytelling piece. Yeah, it's a, it's a very important piece. We talk about that in some other shows, actually this season and in Passing Baton about the importance of storytelling. Yes. And in your leadership of conveying a message in a way that they can relate to meet some right where they are. That's so, right. Yeah, that's right. That's great. So what are uh, maybe a few resources that you would recommend to somebody looking to gain insight into becoming a better leader? Yeah, one of them that I would recommend is the Enneagram. Okay. Um, something that's not familiar to a whole lot of people. Enneagram is, starts with an E. E-N-N-E-gram, Enneagram, and it's a personality test. Okay. Um, it has nine types with it, and um, it's a personality test, but it's a little bit more personal than that because it kind of uh, resonates with what your core value is and what what kind of person you really want to become, and that has been super impactful for me, not just um, in my own self-learning, but also in being able to have my employees take that so I know how to speak to them about what's important yeah. to them you know yeah. so like a one is a perfectionist and a two is a helper a three is an achiever I won't go through all of them but they each have a particular kind of um you know, uh, belief about what makes them successful sure. and what they want to give to the world. And so to be able to speak to people based on that, um, is, is pretty effective for me as a leader. Um, you know, I've talked a lot about therapy, but I would just say it's something I really believe in. You know, I mean, I think one of the greatest things that's happening in society right now is the stigma related to seeking therapy is lessening and it doesn't have to do with just mental health. Do I have a mental health diagnosable, uh, condition? No, I don't. But I get so much value from having someone who is um, objective to talk to every single week about oh, sure. what's going on yeah. with me. And then third one I would say is just uh, mentors and advisors. So the advisors who have come on Motivo, oh my goodness, I don't even know where we would be without them. <laughs> People who sure. have done it before, who are willing to um, invest time in Motivo to help us grow and realize our vision. It's, um, it's an incredible thing. And yeah. there's advisors all over this city yeah that's great yeah that's great so let's see so what are you talk about the mentors and things so this might slide into to that perfectly so what are some advice that you've received or maybe some best advice that you received in your time as a leader as you've grown maybe as an individual or as a ceo yeah you know one of them has been um how to 
how to realize that advice that people give me is almost always subjective. So, um, you know, we get a lot of advice about like, oh, you should do it like this or you should think about it like this. And most of the time, the advice that we give to other people and that we receive ourselves is based on our own individual experience. And so um, before I was really well-versed at listening to my own voice, a lot of times I would be like, oh, that's what they think I should do. That's totally what's best for Motivo. Let's implement it immediately. And then it ended up not being the best thing to do. So I've really had to develop my critical thinking skills on how I can, um, you know, accept advice and hear it and listen to it and then determine whether or not it's best for my company at this particular phase. Yeah. Um, so that's that's been a really big one. Yeah, no, that's great. You know, that's actually one that we have not heard this season at all. Really? Yeah, of, of, of understanding the value of feedback, but then understanding that it's not the be all end all, right? It's that's just a right. guide. That's all it is, that's right? right. A, a that's point right. A to point B. So yeah, so that's, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that piece there. So let's talk about maybe a, a characteristic or one or two or however many you have that you believe that every leader should possess. Every leader should possess. Yes. Let me think about that. Um, curiosity. Okay. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I spoke that about that a little bit earlier, but I think the curiosity about your team members, about your customers and about yourself is critical. Yeah. You know, we use a lot of what's called radical candor. If you've heard Kim Scott use that term, she was an executive at Google and Apple and she coined the term radical candor, which means that she cares personally and also challenges directly with her team members. And I love that those two, you know, that I care personally about every member of my team and what they're going through, but I also am willing to have the really courageous conversations that say, this isn't working or I need you to do this a different way. Um, rather you know, behind their back or in a passive aggressive email, but directly to them. So, um, so curiosity is a big one and radical candor is a close second. Yeah. And a way to describe that to people when I, when I coach companies and things, I talk about the idea of caring about a person more than a position. Yes. And it, it changes your, your whole kind of mindset behind it. When you think about that, cause on the surface you go, well, I care about my position because yes. I need that person to be good. <laughs> that right. person to be good. Yes. But when you care about them more than the position itself, your value, your investment in them goes higher. Your level of to have those tough conversations becomes much more likely to happen, right? Yes. Because you care about them. You want them as a person to succeed. And it's more than just the position that they're sitting in today. And it just drives it drives a great culture. It drives a great uh, a, uh, cadence of accountability, all that piece in there. And so, yeah, I think that's a, a, a foundational piece, I think, that leaders need to latch on to yes. uh, as they grow their companies. Yeah, and I would piggyback on that and say that I think caring about them personally is caring about the company, you know, yeah, because exactly. if I care about them personally, then I'm able to help them identify whether or not they are excelling in their position, sure. whether or not this is the best place for them. You know, being able to coach someone out of a position is an important ability as a leader to know oh, when it's like not working and yeah. how to help have that conversation in a way that isn't, um, you know, severing all ties, but that's more constructive. Yeah, 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 that's great. All right, so 
let's talk about as we're starting to wrap up our show today where can our listeners find you find the company where are you out there where can we come hang out with you at yeah totally um our website is wearemotivo.com my email is rachel at wearemotivo.com we're on linkedin we're on all the social media channels my marketing manager makes us be um she's very good at it <laughs> she is very good she's great. yes she's great and um you know we're at the atv so if you yeah. come here we have an amazing coffee shop downstairs and if you came by i would love to say hello yeah rachel thank you so much for hanging out with us today i love your your organization your drive to help people where they are i i just imagine just the impact that it has on somebody not only in rural georgia but really across the country and beyond uh, potentially of what your service and your and your team can do and so that's that's very exciting thank you for your leadership with these people thank you for your leadership here in atlanta for sure thanks zach Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Rachel McCricker. She is the CEO of Motivo and just such an inspirational story of seeing a need where she was, leaning into the leadership experience that she had and taking a step out of her comfort zone to start a new organization. And now Motivo today is helping people all over the place meet their own clinical requirements. Today, Rachel shared three key pieces to help you build and strengthen your own leadership walk. The first was to share the vision at the level of your audience. So she goes on to talk about how she had to work on her storytelling skills to share the really 30,000 foot picture view for potential investors. But you've also got to do that with the people that work with you, below you, above you, to be able to communicate and lead them properly. You've got to share that vision in a way that impacts them right where they are. The second one was to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. It's often the first things we do as team members or leaders is sacrifice our own time, our own attention to our own health and well-being so that we can help others. But remember that the ones around you that need you the most need you to be at 100%. And to be at 100%, you've got to take care of yourself mentally, physically, and emotionally. The third tip was about understanding and taking advice. So take the advice, but understand that advice is subjective. So listen to your own voice and balance out that during your decision-making process. So instead of just trying to follow the whims of those around you, understand where your foundation is, where your compass is pointing, and take that into account as you take on advice. Thanks again to Rachel and the team for hosting me at the Atlanta Tech Village for this show. Such an enthusiastic team and just the passion to help each other and to help their clients is so evident. Well, that does it for our show today. Be sure to check us out next time for, I'm sure, another great conversation with a leader here in Atlanta. And until then, grow your leadership and impact your community. (music) 